Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Five Tool Podcast. As always, I'm George Klein, and this is our Western Conference deep dive. Again, it's the end of August, so it seemed like the right place to put in some nice NBA preview coverage. So I went team by team with Alex Zimblis, who's been on the podcast a few times before now, and Ben Wilcott making his first appearance. As one quick note, Manu Ginobili retired right after we recorded this. Just keep that in mind for the Spurs section, and when we're talking about it, Ginobili no longer on the team. The Rockets also traded Ryan Anderson and De'Anthony Melton to the Suns for Marquise Chris and Brandon Knight after we recorded this podcast. And additionally, on the show's Twitter, at 5 pod, all lowercase, all one word, I'm going to be posting NFL picks from myself, Zahin, and Arthur Jellin. We'll be keeping track, see how we do head-to-head. So that'll be a fun little thing to keep track of whole time, just trying to create as much content that's enjoyable for everyone out there. Thank you for listening to the show. And here we are, Western Conference Deep Dive. All right, so I am here with Alex Zimblist and first-time guest Ben Wilcott. So we are going to be talking about the Western Conference. We did this for the Eastern Conference last week. So this week, same thing, going team by team. I came up with some starting lineups. Yeah, we'll just talk it out, have some over and unders. So the worst team in the Western Conference for me is the Sacramento Kings. And I think most people would agree with this. The Kings starting lineup is De'Aaron Fox, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Justin Jackson, Marvin Bagley, and Willie Cauley-Stein. They've also got Buddy Heald, Ben McLemore, Frank Mason, Scalabissier, and Harry Giles. They added... Marvin Bagley in the draft, and Yogi Ferrell lost Garrett Temple. This is a really bad team. I, I've always loved Aaron Fox. I love the way he plays. But, Alex, do you have much hope at all for the Kings this season? No, but I think you're making it seem just a little bit too – okay, I'll say it this way. For a long time, I thought the Kings were maybe the only team in the NBA that didn't really have anything exciting to look forward to or have any, like, this might be good this season. Or, and I think a combination of Fox and Bagley is you have guys uh, who are at least, if you're a Kings fan, exciting to watch, could step up to the plate and at least give your team some production. So that's the one thing I'd add. But, yeah, basically it's a bad team. So, Ben, do you have any hope for the Kings? Am I too low on them? I can't say that I have a lot of hope for the Kings. Kind of like what Alex was saying. At least there, at least there's something to watch for. Like there's a couple of young, exciting guys who could be somebody. I'm uh, not thrilled with the fact that they went for Marvin Bagley at two. That yeah. that was something that had a lot of momentum heading into the draft. And it seems to me, I mean, Luka Doncic was the guy for me mm-hmm. that they should have gone. He was the clear number two. But I don't know. I'm really nervous about Marvin Bagley's potential to be a tweener type where he's not really a power forward, not really a center, not really a small forward, which there was a couple stories that they were going to play him at small forward, which would just be a total disaster in the Aaron Gordon at small small forward uh, I mean, type. a lot of people say that's the, that's the new center in the NBA, though. Is that kind of tweener type? It's a little different than a Carl Anthony Towns type or even like a Kristaps or, or a Giannis where he's not exactly huge like Kristaps. He can't dribble and control the ball like a Giannis type. So yeah. what exactly is he? I think he's... Well, Hor- Horford's the same kind of deal. Like, But Horford's so great at every aspect of the game. And yeah. Marvin Bagley was an atrocious defensive player last year. Okay, and yeah. Day- I'm not comparing him to Horford. My point is just that it exists in the NBA and there are ways to be successful. I mean, I'm not saying that he won't put up numbers. I think he will have... It's the classic expression, but I think he's a good stats bad team kind of guy where he'll put up maybe 20 and 10 before a really bad team. And I'm not in but, love with him. Maybe a little uh, Devin Booker-ish not to preview our next team or anything. Well, I actually like Devin Booker. I think, I mean, I can't see Bagley ever scoring 70 points in an NBA game. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like 15 of those were when the team was feet. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, it's still impressive. It's, I mean, 70, 70 at the end of the day. The Las Vegas Westgate over and under for the Kings is 25 and a half. Do you think that they get 25 and a half wins? That sounds about right to me, honestly. 
I think they get 25. I don't think they get 25 and a half. (laughs) So you're going with a slight, slight under. I'm going to take the under as well, just because the Western Conference is so good this year. Yeah. It's just tough. And they're, again, I love Fox. Everyone loves to talk. All the analytics guys love to talk about how there's no such thing as clutch. But I think we saw in his rookie year that Fox has a taste for the clutch. He always seems to come up big when it matters most. Hopefully I'm wrong about Marvin Bagley because I do like the Kings. I like them as a team. I always root for them because they've been bad for so long. I'm going to go under two, George. Just as a quick last note on the Kings, I think Harry Giles is another intriguing piece. He's Here's a guy who was one of those top high school guys who everyone was really pumped about going to college, but ACL injuries really was never the same when he came back to Duke, sat out last year to regain strength in his legs. I'm curious to see what, what we get from him. So now that was the Kings. Moving on, number 14, I've got the Phoenix Suns starting lineup. Okobo and uh, Devin Booker, as we mentioned before. Then wings, we've got Josh Jackson and Trevor Ariza. And center, of course, the first pick, DeAndre Ayton. They've also got Tyson Chandler, TJ Warren, Isaiah Cannon, Dragon Bender. I say it, <laughs> Dragon Bender, because you have to say it that way. And then Troy Daniels. They added DeAndre Ayton in the draft, Mikel Bridges in the draft, Okobo in the draft, Ariza and Rashawn Holmes. They lost Alex Len, Alfred Payton, Tyler Eulis, and Jared Dudley. So this is a very, very young team. I'm starting to think that they're really heading in the right direction now. I like a lot of their young guys. Alex, you seemed a bit lower on uh, Devin Booker earlier, so I'll let you have the first shot at this. What do you think about the Suns? So, so I am, I've never thought Devin Booker was particularly good. He was always on a bad team. He was asked to do a lot of scoring. I've said this to you before, George. I think of him as a poor man's Carmelo Anthony. Um, (laughs) I think that players like that who can be prolific scorers tend to be maybe a little bit overrated just because of the volume. So, yeah, that's my thing about Booker. I think he's okay, but really not impressed by the fact that he can score a little bit. Look, I'm basically think what everyone thinks about Aiton, that he's going to be a very good player that the Suns can build around. I think uh, Ariz is a really good piece. Basically, I, I don't think that they're the 14th team. I would put them a, a couple spots higher. I know some people this offseason were saying, could the Suns make a playoff run? No, the Suns cannot no make a playoff run. <laughs> Devin Booker's not a good enough star. DeAndre Ayton, he might be really good, but not good enough to really build a build a team around his freshman year. His freshman year. His rookie year, I, I do think that he's he's going to become a, a guy who could take a team into the playoffs, but I don't see that happening this year. I just think that there's a little more talent on this team than maybe some of the other bottom teams, and for that reason, I guess I'm a little higher on them than you might be, George. Yeah, my main concerns, I think, are, of course, the defense aspect. This is a team that's been bad now for a long time, and the atmosphere has been shaky players haven't always put their best effort in and now you have DeAndre Ayton who did struggle to defend in college with a guy like a Devin Booker who's never been asked to defend he's grown up in an atmosphere where the team does not play solid defense and I like Josh Jackson Reese on the wing though. George one thing I'll say about that is I think when you're a really bad team that doesn't expect to win and isn't that excited while they're on the floor it's hard to play good defense. Defense is obviously about skill. There's talent. There's knowledge of defensive, uh, defensive, you know, strategy and whatnot. But more so than offense, I think defense is about really putting in that effort. And like you were saying, yeah. it's maybe a team that hasn't put in full effort on defense in the past. I think when you add a guy like Aiton, if you can get a little more excited about your team and the possibilities, uh, I think that just naturally improves the defense a little bit. Adding Ariza and then Bridges from the draft that will help too. Those those guys battle hard, uh, and we've we've seen what Ariza can do in the NBA now for a while. So, uh, Ben, you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I kind of agree with Alex. I think this team is pretty nice, and it's nicer than the the second worst team um, in the Western Conference. I think that they will. I don't think that they will finish in the 14th place. Brandon Knight at point guard is not the answer for their team, but I feel like they might just be like a piece away. Yeah, that was one question that I did pose when we were just preparing for this episode is that the Suns to me, I think they're one more bad year, one more good draft picked away from really, really possibly being a playoff team, a team 
even in this Western Conference, if you get a top four or five pick this year, add that in, maybe you go for a point guard, which is something that you're lacking. Now all of a sudden you've got that point guard, you've got a Devin Booker, you've got a Josh Jackson, you've got a DeAndre Ayton. I don't know if Ariza stays after his one-year monster contract. At the end of the day, so Las Vegas Westgate agrees with me. They have them as the 14th team in the conference, over under of 28 and a half. So are you guys going to take the over or under? Alex, you go first. Over. 28 and a half is a really bad season. I think that they have a couple more in them. All right, Ben. Yeah, I take the over as well. I think they could be I think they could be a lot nicer than 28 wins. I'm going to go under again. I think the Western Conference is just so so deep, especially with teams that we'll get to later like the Grizzlies and the Mavericks. There's no easy games. I think it's going to be a challenge for this team. I can't picture them getting to 29 or 30 wins. I just don't think that the, that that the defense is quite there yet. We now move on to the 13th team and this might be a surprise. I have the Los Angeles Clippers here. This I always think that the Clippers will be pretty good. Um, but I can't help but wonder now if Jerry West is starting to bottom out. He got his team out of, from some bad contracts. And probably not because there's good players on this team. But the West is just so good. I just don't see them winning that many games. So their starting lineup for me is Patrick Beverly, Avery Bradley, Tobias Harris, Danilo Gallinari, and Marcin Gortat. And then they also have Lou Williams, who's the six-man extraordinaire. Tia Dosich, Montrez Harrell, Wesley Johnson, Sundarius Thornwell, and Boban Marjanovic. Additions, they got Shea Gilgis-Alexander in the draft, Jerome Robinson in the draft, Luke Mba Amute, and Mike Scott. Subtractions, DeAndre Jordan, Austin Rivers, Sam Decker. So as, I, as is evident from my selecting them as the 13th team, I think this is a pretty bad team. They've got some good pieces. I really like Harris. I like Bradley. I like Patrick Beverly, but I don't trust guys like Patrick Beverly and Danilo Gallinari to stay healthy. Gilgis Alexander and Robinson, I think, are big projects. Gilgis Alexander has a lot of potential, but still, I think this is a team that could really bottom out, and maybe this is Jerry West kind of sneaky tanking a little bit. What do you think, Alex? I think that I agree because the Western Conference is so good. I don't think that they really got that much worse. Um, obviously, Austin Rivers and Sam Decker weren't great players for them. DeAndre is a great player, but whatever was going on with when they had DeAndre Griffin and Chris Paul, it seems that they never really utilized their star power effectively anyway. So, you know, I think that he'll be missed, but, but maybe not that sorely. The over-under, just to skip to that, is 35 and a half. I'm going to take under kind of for the reasons that you were saying, George. I think this is a team that's really making an effort to turn the page on everyone from that era. Everyone's gone now. DeAndre Jordan and Austin Rivers were the last holdouts. They obviously parted ways with Blake Griffin. I will also take the under for this team. I I look at this as a 31-32 win team, and that might seem low, but there's so many good teams in this conference that, again, wins are just going to be so hard to come by. I'm I'm saying it over and over for, for these bad teams. So the Clippers are my 13th team. Westgate, we said the over-under was 35.5. They're ranked as the 11th team. Lou Williams is fun. Harris is good. But Avery Bradley's not quite the same. It's not the same. Then there's a bunch of guys who get hurt a lot. Marcin Gortat is just sort of bleh all around. Yeah, trash. Some, <laughs> some fun draft picks, but I don't think this is the year for them. This is, for me, a team that's looking towards that 2020-2021 type of era. So now we move on to the 12th team, the Memphis Grizzlies. My starting line for them would be Mike Conley, Andrew Harrison, Kyle Anderson, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Marcus Saul. They've also got Dylan Brooks, Chandler Parsons, and Wayne Selden. They added Jaron Jackson in the draft, Javon Carter in the draft, Garrett Temple, and Omri Caspi. They lost Tyreek Evans, Ben McLemore, and Jarrell Martin. So this is a very intriguing team for me. The Grizzlies were in the playoffs year after year for a long while before everything that could go wrong last year went wrong. Just absolutely terrible. But sliding into that fourth pick was a really good piece of luck for them to be that bad. Jaron Jackson's, he showed off an impressive three-point shooting display in summer league. And he's such a good defender already that he fits right in with what the Grizzlies like to do. This season comes down to what do you get from Mike Conley returning from injury what do you get from Marcus Saul, who had a bad year for him last year? Ben, what do you think you'll get from Conley and Gasol, and what do you think of this Grizzlies team? When I think about like Conley, Conley's missed so much time, it's hard to tell 
how he's going to come back from his injury. And then you'd like to think that Marcus Gasol would have a better, better sort of attitude this year. But I, I just don't, I just don't see a lot from the Grizzlies. Like obviously better than last year because there's nowhere but up really. The over under here is thirty four point five wins. Um, and I would say I'd probably take the under on that. I think that this is one of the harder teams in the Western Conference to gauge for a few reasons. Like Ben was saying, you don't know what you're going to get from Conley. That being said, and people like to talk about, when you talk about most valuable player, what do you mean? Do you mean best player? Do you mean the, the one who's most essential to his team? And I think there's an argument to be made that Mike Conley is more essential to the Grizzlies than any other player in the league is to their team. I'm not going to make that argument now, nor am I sure that I would, but I'm just saying it's, it's an argument that could be made. Uh, he is that essential to what they do, to the way they run their offense. I've always really liked Mike Conley. Also matters, Marcus Gasol, people were saying a lot of last year was bored and not giving good effort with Mike Conley back, Jaron Jackson there. Does he kind of have a little more energy, a little more pep in his step? I think the loss of Tyreek Evans is pretty big. Uh, really took a, a step up last year, took his game to another level. So I think that's definitely a loss. This team for me is hard to predict. I think they really could make a playoff push. Not, I don't I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they could make a playoff push. I think they could also be one of the bottom two or three teams. I'm going to take the under as well, just because one more time, it's a tough league. Yeah, I'm taking the under as well. I'm curious to see how Jaron Jackson, how they fit and work him into sort of what they do, which is they've made efforts to speed up, but they still, the, the Grizzlies are best when they're methodical and they're keeping the score low in a lot of ways. And that's the hallmark of this Conley Gasol era. And Kyle Anderson fits right into that. I mean, he's slow-mo. He's the guy who slows the pace up, but just kind of does strange movements that get everyone off rhythm because he's so slow. Honestly, can't run very fast. But then you add Jaron Jackson Jr., who's just so explosive, has incredible athleticism, incredible defender. This could be a tough team to score against. So that's the one thing that they have for them, that if you look at a team like the Suns, the Grizzlies can play D, and if you can play good defense in the NBA, that'll keep you in a lot of regular season games. But mm-hmm. Western Conference is tough, so I have to go under once again. So now we move on to the next team. I have them 11th, the Dallas Mavericks. The starting lineup would be Dennis Smith Jr., Luka Doncic, Harrison Barnes, Dirk Nowitzki, and DeAndre Jordan. Bench, Dwight Powell, Wesley Matthews, J.J. Barea. Mavericks are making a push for the playoffs. They want to compete. They've got an exciting young backcourt, and they got DeAndre Jordan finally. But how good of a chance would you give them to make the playoffs, Alex? Less than 50%. I, I kind of, you put them at 11. I think that's pretty reasonable. There are a lot of really good teams. I think there are eight teams that are better than them. But it, it, it's not impossible. I, I really think that Doncic is going to be a star in this league. I really do. I think there's more there in Harrison Barnes still. Dirk's a good veteran presence. Obviously, Dennis Smith Jr. is a really athletic point guard. And DeAndre Jordan, despite maybe some shortcomings, is a very, if you want your center to play great defense and get you rebounds and alley-oops, Jordan does that as well as anybody. So if he fits, if that's what the Mavericks need and he fits into their system, he could really shine there for them. I think they have a solid bench. If the chemistry works, which is a big if when you add two guys. I think, look, I think their two potentially best players are guys that they're adding this season. So there's a huge question of, will it work? If it doesn't work, they can be a really bad team. If it does work, I could see them making a playoff push. I think Smith Jr. has the potential to really move forward in year two as well. Mm-hmm. He was learning on the fly last year. Having that experience of running a team, even if it's a very bad team, is useful. And he has like a good full year of, of experience now under his belt. And he's one of the most athletic guys in the league. So I'd look out for that. And interesting to see how him and Doncic can coexist in the backcourt. The over-under is 34 and a half as well for this team. I am going to take the over, actually, my first one. I look at this as sort of a 36-37 win team around there. Alex, what do you think about the Mavericks? I, I exactly agree with what you just said. Yeah, 36-37, I'm over. Yep. All right. So now the 10th team, the Portland Trailblazers. And this would clearly be a huge fall for them, fall from grace. They were a three seed last year that got swept and humiliated in the playoffs by, by New Orleans. So 
Starting lineup for the Trailblazers, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Moharkless, Alfred Minu, and Nurkic. They've also got Zach Collins, Myers Leonard. They added Seth Curry and Nick Stauskas, Lawset Davis and Shabazz Napier. And my story with the Blazers is I just think this is a stale team. It's, been, it's a team that we've seen what their peak can be. They had a really good regular season run last year, but a lot of the body language on the court isn't incredible. You sort of get the feeling that this is a little Clippers-y and they're all possibly a little sick of each other. And which just happens when a core plays together year after year. And Lillard and McCollum, we've seen this backcourt. They've seen, we've seen them try it for a long time now. I just don't think they ever get better than last year before the playoffs. And this is a team that I could see really take a huge step back. A lot of bad uh, role players. So, Alex, what do you think about the Trailblazers? Since in the past you've had strong opinions on Lillard. Yeah, I, I basically agree with what you just said. Like, as much as I'm not really a Lillard fan, I'll admit that he's a very talented player. If the team is going to salvage anything of this season, it's going to be because of him. I don't think that he's the type of player who can uh, hype up his teammates, who can make everyone around him better, and turn a team that uh, beyond him is uh, not that great. I don't think he can turn that into too much more. So I kind of like where you have them 10th and a couple teams back of the playoffs. All right, Ben, what do you think? I think that we're right now you're too fixated on, on the playoff Blazers that we've seen. But there's a, there's a whole season of basketball. This is effectively the same. This is the same team, really, as we had last year for the most part. Like, they were a great regular season team. I, were they? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they were third. They finished third. They won. Yeah, and they were, what, four games away from not being in the playoffs? Those three through nine teams were all right next to each other. I don't really care about yeah, that. I, I don't think that you can say that they're going to fall all the way down to 10. Well, I mean, if you're falling down to 10, my argument is I look at every team that I've put I look at every team that I've put above them in these rankings and we'll get to, we'll work our way through all of these, but I would not put the trailblazers over one team that's above them since some teams have made huge jumps. Like the Lakers, they're a clear jump. Yeah. But a lot of this, uh, some of these teams that you have in front of them have made jumps backwards. Some of these teams have also have regressed. Well, as we move forward, Ben, I'd like for you to tell us uh, when a team comes up that you think Portland is better than. Oh, I will. will. Okay. Sounds good. My deal, I guess just in the end with the trailblazers is, I think most of the Western Conference teams have gotten better. And with the Trailblazers, they just haven't done anything. And if anything, they'll be slightly worse since a lot of role players, I don't know. It's just, this is a team that hasn't kept pace with the rest of the Western Conference. And I think that causes them to take a huge dip. So the over-under is 41 and a half wins. That is 10th in the conference from Las Vegas Westgate. I really don't know what to do. So I'm going to have you guys go first. Then we'll take the over. Okay, I'm under. I will also be under. I see this as a 39-40 win team. I don't think they're very good. Now we've got the ninth team, the last of the non-playoff teams, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Starting lineup, same as last year, Jeff Teague, Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, Todd Gibson, and Carl Anthony Towns. They also have Derek Rose, Tyus Jones, who I really like. I thought he was fantastic last year, and Gorgie Jang. They added Anthony Tolliver. A lot of rumblings with the Timberwolves this summer. Jimmy Butler, not happy. A lot of reports of him not getting along with Wiggins and Towns. Sort of some rumblings of him wanting to go to L.A. And Jimmy Butler's done this before. There were the same kind of rumblings when he was on the Bulls. So he probably has some guys, you know, in the media who, when he's not happy, he pushes them to write certain articles, get his point across. He wants Wiggins and Towns to step up and have a more competitive and better attitude. This is a team that was really good when Butler was healthy. He got injured late in the year, and they fell from a four or a five team all the way down to eight. But bad energy with this team. I feel like Jimmy Butler's out, so I'm not very high on them. Andrew Wiggins, for me, is never going to live up to the potential he had or anywhere close. I don't even know if he's a viable above average player ever in the NBA. Alex, what do you think about the Timberwolves? I think they're a tough team. I love, love, love Jimmy Butler. He's one of the brighter stars in the game. I think Jeff Teague is a good player. I think Andrew Wiggins is basically what you said. He's not going to be what maybe people thought he would be. That being said, he's still a solid piece. I actually like Taj Gibson a good bit. He had that, uh, you know, heroic plays in, in that, uh, 
first round of the playoffs this past season. So, I, you know, I think he brings a, a good energy to the team. And obviously, uh, we all know how good Towns is. It's possible D-Rose still has something to offer them off the bench. We'll see about that. The Butler-Wiggins-Towns trio that everyone was super excited about, it was kind of a little Timberwolves bandwagon, it felt like, coming into last season, is still there. Uh, they've had a year to play with each other. Maybe it didn't go well, like you were saying, chemistry-wise, but maybe they just needed more time to figure it out. I'm skeptical that they're better than any of the teams in front of them. So for that reason, I might agree that they belong in the nine spot. At the same time, I'm higher on them than you are, George. Okay, Ben, what do you think about the Timberwolves? I, I don't think I'm as high on them as Alex or Jeff Teague's really what they're looking for. I'm hoping Carl Anthony Towns can kind of like step it up a bit when it gets to crunch time this year. But I just I just see a lack of chemistry in this team. That kind of leads me, like, this is a team that I would say I'd put, I'd put the Blazers in front of. Really? I don't know if they can keep it together. Over-unders 44 and a half. I think they're, they're uh, better than the Blazers just from the fact that the talent on this team, I think that there's a much higher ceiling moving forward, but I'm still going to go under for the Timberwolves. I think they're more of a 42, 43-ish win team. Slightly agreeing with you, Ben, just in that. I think things have the potential to combust here. Alex, over under. As many good things as I did just say about the team, I'm going to go under basically what you said. I'd put them just barely under, but under, yeah. Okay, so we have now been through all the non-playoff teams. We'll get into the playoff teams. But first, I have to tell you guys about something very important. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices. Fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek has plenty of tickets to concerts, comedy, and theater, too. I actually have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I actually just use SeatGeek to buy tickets to a Cubs game, and as a Cubs fan, that was very fun for me. Cubs have the best record in the National League, no big deal. It was super easy, super fun, super simple to use, awesome experience in total. So best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase, just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code 5Tool today. That's promo code 5Tool for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. So now we move on to the playoff teams. My pick for the eight seed is the San Antonio Spurs. Starting lineup of Murray, DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Bertans, Gasol. It'll be interesting to see if they roll with him in the starting lineup. I think he's more of a bench guy at this point, really which is not a huge statement. I'm not exactly going out on a limb there. And uh, Patty Mills, they added DeRozan, obviously. Podol, Marco Bellinelli, and Dante Cunningham. Subtractions, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, Tony Parker, and Kyle Anderson. So this is really a very new era Spurs team. All the old guard is gone, except for Ginobili, and he's might be out the door. I like what they did. The Spurs, I can't help but wonder if they should have traded Leonard for a big prospect grouping, a big draft pick sort of uh, return with some young players. But they get DeRozan, they'll compete with Pop in the playoffs. And I just find it hard to see the Spurs team missing the playoffs with Pop and all that. They've got a lot of talent. They're more talented than last year. And they somehow won a bunch of games last year and snuck into the playoffs with a really crappy team. So Ben, I'll let you have the first take on this one. What do you think about the Spurs? Awesome. I really like the Spurs. I think that this could be this could be great for DeMar DeRozan. I think that he'd fit really well with the Spurs. Obviously, like you said, they were able to sneak into the playoffs last year um, with, with a much worse team than this. So I'm excited to see like what they can do. I am very happy with it, with their trade. I, I feel good about having them in the playoffs. All right, Alex. I've always been confused by the Spurs since they started following basketball. I never thought that they were as good as they performed. 
and everyone told me it's oh Popovich is so great Popovich is so great and I'm like how can a coach you know actually have that much impact I'm converted I'm totally believe in the you know alleged Popovich coefficient I think that he makes teams good obviously they are better than last year and because they didn't have um their superstar Kawhi Leonard playing for them and now they do have a healthy DeMar DeRozan playing for them I still don't think that they're that great a team but I think that they're better than last year Popovich is gonna get every ounce um that he can out of his guys I think that they're relatively unexciting actually but will be in the playoffs and competing in that first round one thing i do want to watch out for is this is a major old school team when you're talking about there's going to be a lot of mid-range jump shots taken derozan yeah. rudy gam lamarcus aldridge i'm just wondering how that offense is exactly going to work and whether with such tough shots that they'll be taking and you're talking about guys who have made those shots their whole career but i just don't know whether long twos are the way to go and whether Pop will try to have them shoot more threes, stick with it. He really let LaMarcus just be LaMarcus last year after trying to change him in at the beginning of his time in San Antonio. And LaMarcus responded really well. But I just don't know if in a league of three-point shots and layups that a mid-range jump shooting team can do all that well. But if any team can do that well with that style, it's the Spurs. Their over-under is 43.5, which seems a little bit low to me just based off of how much success they had last year with a really much worse team. So I'm going to go over. I think they're a 46-47 win team, about the same win total as last year, just because I think the rest of the conference is better as a whole. But I can't see them winning less than 44 games. Ben, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to take the over on that as well. Alex? Yeah, I'm going to take over. I'm... A bit skeptical that Aldridge is going to be the same player he was last year. He's a year older, and I think he really had a great year. But as you said, 44 doesn't sound right. So now we move to the seventh team, the New Orleans Pelicans. And they really showed up for the playoffs last year. Impressive dominating round over the Trailblazers. Intriguing team. DeMarcus Cousins was injured during the playoffs last year. And that talk is always going to start where... Is New Orleans better without DeMarcus Cousins? And I would argue no. I think anytime you have two superstars in the league, you're a better team with them. But we'll find out this year for sure exactly where they are. Starting lineup of Alfred Payton, who I don't think anyone really believes in anymore. But he's a, he's a Ronda replacement without the incredible passes, but he could be potentially a similar kind of player maybe. Drew Holiday, who was fantastic last year. Miller. They get Julius Randle and Anthony Davis. They've also got Miritich. So Randle, Davis, and Miritich really like that big man rotation. They've also got Ian Clark, Solomon Hill, Amika Okafor. They added Alfred Payton and Julius Randle, as I mentioned, and Jaleel Okafor. So we'll see if he can stick in the NBA. Lost, obviously, to Marcus Cousins and Rondo. The Pelicans are a very intriguing team for me. Anthony Davis, this could be the year that he's the MVP. It's been building for a while, and he had some runs last year that were out of this world. If he can keep it up for a full year, he's a shoo-in, I think, him and Giannis. So, Alex, I will ask you first, what do you think about the Pelicans? This is a team that was incredible in the playoffs last year, but they don't have Cousins. But they did get Randall, surprisingly. So, what are your thoughts? Well, they didn't have Cousins in the playoffs either, and they looked really good for a while. I actually think that Rondo is a loss, but like you said... Drew Holiday was awesome in the playoffs. You wonder if he carries some maybe confidence from that over into this regular season. I think Anthony Davis is the favorite to win the MVP award. He's been great for so many years, but kind of overlooked. Uh, I think it's his time. What he did in the whole second half of the season, if you look at those numbers, he's the obvious MVP. He just had so many games where he dropped 45 and 15 with five blocks, just stupid good stats. So, yeah, they're not going to compete with the top teams in the division, but Anthony Davis is going to carry this team to a playoff spot. So, Ben, what do you think? And I do, I do agree with Alex that Anthony Davis is going to drag this team to the playoffs. But it, it raises questions to me, like, how can Anthony Davis see a future with this team? He's never had the pieces to win a championship, and they're not here. And Julius Randle's an interesting acquisition, but 
but you think they want a bit more wing depth than they have right now. I um, couldn't believe that they got Randall. Don't know why the Lakers wouldn't look to keep him for for that price, but we'll get to that later. Um, so, Ben, do you think that this team is better than the Trailblazers? I'm not sure that they're better than the Trailblazers overall. I mean, I think that I think that this team would still probably beat the Trailblazers in the playoffs. But so I, they are better than the Trailblazers. But but are they better against the other teams in the NBA than the Trailblazers are? And I don't I don't know if that's the case. I'd rather have Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis than Lillard and McCollum all day long. And you're also talking about a team with Randall, I think, a similar supporting cast where the wings are pretty iffy. As much as I love Evan Turner. Um, last thing that I do want to talk about with the Pelicans is Jaleel Okafor. He's been floundering in the league now for his entire career, really, outside of some, some offensive games his rookie year where he dominated the ball for an unbelievably bad 76ers team. He has an old school game. He's a back to the basket guy, can pass in the post, but defensively just so slow, so bad. Alex, do you think that Okafor can stick in the league or is he just a done deal? No, I mean, look, I, I think he could fit in and help this team if he has the right attitude. I think if he doesn't have the right attitude, he could be out of the league. Simple as that. I think he's in China next year. I, if you can't stick with the Nets, then I think it's over for you at that point. Looking at what the Nets were last year, he couldn't get off the bench for that team. They tried to get him in shape. It obviously didn't work. He's now in New Orleans for some reason. And if you're Julio Okafor, New Orleans for me isn't a situation you want to be in because there's so much depth there at those spots, at, at the center spot that you want to be at. I mean, between all these really talented big guys and you had Amika Okafor, I just don't think it's a position to succeed and I'm very concerned for him. But over under 45 and a half, I'm going to take the over on that. I see them as, again, a 46-47 type win team. Ben, what do you think about the Pelicans over under? I'm going to take the under on that. Um, I think that they've got some really good pieces, but I just, I just don't know. Man, especially after what we saw in the playoffs last year, I'm surprised. All right, Alex, are you over or under? Uh, <laughs> I'll go under and say that they're going to win 45. Oof, slight, slight under. All right, that honestly surprised me. I thought we were all going to be on, on the over on that. Um, so now we go to... The sixth team, the Denver Nuggets. And this is a team that I think takes a leap this year. Heartbreaking loss on the last game of the year to miss out on the playoffs. But really talented guys all throughout this roster. Really like what they're doing. They've got for, so a starting lineup of Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic. Uh, then the bench, Trey Lyles, Mason Plumlee, Malik Beasley, they added... Michael Porter Jr. in the draft. It's questionable if he'll see the floor at all this year with that tricky back. A lot of surgeries, a lot of medical stuff happening. And Isaiah Thomas, who who knows what you'll get from him. We'll see with that hit. But two intriguing injury guys where if they can get back to anywhere, this is a team that ricochets all the way up in the Western Conference to a three or a four. But I have them at, at, a, at a six for now. And I think that's already pretty optimistic. They lost Wilson Chandler and Kenneth Fareed, so nothing that huge. I just really like this team. Young, energetic, really like the energy. They move the ball well. A lot of good three-point shooting. Athleticism, Paul Millsap's a great guy to have there to work with Jokic. So, Alex, what do you think of this Nuggets team? Yeah, I, I basically agree just with everything you said. Jokic is my boy. We all know that. Michael Porter Jr., if he does play, like you said, people thought in the past that he could go first in this draft. You could argue he's the most talented player in the draft. Isaiah Thomas is a competitor. I'll say that. So that's so very if kind. He, if he's healthy, I think that, that he's a guy who can inspire the guys around him. That's what we saw him do in Boston, score in the clutch, and uh, could potentially help this team. Yeah, I, I, I like them at six. I think that's a good spot for him. Michael Porter Jr., you're talking about a guy where there's the potential for him to never even play in the league. But if you look towards the future, if he does get back, if Michael Porter Jr. does get back healthy, you're looking at a lineup of Murray, Harris, Porter Jr., Millsap, and Jokic, and that is a force to be reckoned with. If you're talking about that in 2019, 2020, that, that's big time. So their over-under is 47.5. Yikes. Alex, what do you think, over or under? That's another really tough one. I'm actually going to give them a very slight over. 
Okay. I'm going to go slide over to, I see them as a 48-49 win team. But, oh, man, I'm not so confident in that. So, Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I feel like I'd put them right between 47 and 48. Uh, <laughs> over on this. <laughs> That's a good job by Las Vegas. They really nailed it, 47 and a half. So, slide over on that. And now we've got the Los Angeles Lakers at five. I went over this a while. Wasn't quite sure where to put them. On my optimistic end, I had them at a three just because I thought that LeBron James can elevate them over most teams in the Western Conference outside of the Warriors and Rockets. But on further thought, I just don't know if the roster around him is quite there yet. Intriguing young talent. So what I think we'll see from them as a, as, as a starting lineup and or what I think they should put as a starting lineup is Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, LeBron at the power forward, and JaVale McGee. And then McGee will come off after a few minutes. He's a big energy guy at the start of a game. But they'll probably run with Contavious Caldwell-Pope a lot. He was in the starting lineup last year. And Caldwell-Pope and LeBron have that whole agent connection and stuff like that. So I can't help but wonder if, that's, if he'll be one of LeBron's guys who perhaps makes too much money and gets an elevated role. Josh Hart's another intriguing guy on this Lakers team. Hart had a big showing in summer league and really impressed everyone. Lakers added so many people, LeBron, JaVale, Rondo, Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley. (laughs) So quite the crew for this team. They lost Julius Randle. Looking at the contract Randle got, I can't help but think that's a huge mistake. He could have really helped this team, I think, working alongside LeBron. Isaiah Thomas also lost Brooke Lopez and Channing Frye. My main question for the Lakers is, what exactly were those moves this offseason? LeBron, anytime you get LeBron, you get LeBron. But then to follow that up with just a bunch of NBA memes seemed like a curious choice. So Alex, I'll ask you about this first. What exactly were the Lakers doing this offseason? One possible theory is that they're just punting this year. They're just looking to have LeBron work with this young group of guys and get them prepared for next year when they can get a Kawhi or a Jimmy Butler or something like that. But what do you think all these moves for the Lakers are this year? They're weird. It's hard to know what they're doing. GM LeBron has been known to make some interesting moves. He and Magic must have something up their sleeves, though. I don't believe that LeBron's going to play four years in Los Angeles without another star at his side. So as you said, at some point they're going to add, you know, another top 15 player in the league or something like that. Besides that, you know, I think McGee's a good guy for LeBron to throw oops to. I think LeBron can take ball under his wing and make him a little bit better. I don't really worry too much about the Lance Stevenson beef. I think they're going to have fun being on the same team together. So, so yeah, I'll pass it to you, Ben. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard thing to rank a team with LeBron on it because, you know, where they finish in the regular season and how good they are in the playoffs are not necessarily correlated. And the Lakers are also talking about playing LeBron less minutes in the regular season, hopefully getting his minutes per game marked to around 32 and a half or 33 minutes a game. So that's going to be, you would think that that would be a few more losses if you're talking about regular season LeBron, who's resting more often when, as we saw with the Cavaliers all last year, he would have to save them in the last two minutes of a bunch of games all year long. But it's just hard for me to put a LeBron led team below five in the Western conference. It's just hard for me to do that. Well, the Lakers whole deal seems to be for next year and the year after that, wait out sort of this Warriors run and then contend for a championship with LeBron and a bunch of guys who will then be growing into their prime. You don't want LeBron to completely use up all the energy he has left, though it seems to be boundless. So the Lakers over under is 48 and a half. I'm going to take the over, I think. Again, 48 and a half hits it right on the head, but I can't see a LeBron led team winning 48 games or less in some ways with as much talent as he has, which seems to be more talent than last year, but it wouldn't shock me by any means. I'm, I think they're a 49 50 win team. What do you guys think Alex and then Ben? I'm going to go under for a couple of reasons. One, what you were saying about LeBron um, being a little older, maybe not having quite the minutes or workload maybe letting some of these younger guys like Lonzo uh, try to be a little more ball dominant in, in crunch time um, to develop them, it, assuming that they're comfortably in the playoffs, um, you know, letting Lonzo have the ball on those last couple possessions a little more maybe 
than it just being the LeBron show. But the main reason I'm going to take under is because it's going to take them a while to figure out what lineups work well together, uh, what this chemistry is like. It's just going to take them some time. I see them getting off to a slower start once they get rolling. I think that they would you know, be on a pace to win more than 48 and a half, but I don't see them getting there because of maybe taking a little bit to figure it out. So for that reason, I'm going under. I'd actually switch them with the Jazz. Um, or sorry, not the Jazz, the Nuggets on this list and put the Nuggets up in front. That being said, come playoff time, I think the Lakers would, would beat the Nuggets. All right, Ben. Um, I'm also going to take the under, um, but I do like them at, at in fifth. The number four team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, starting lineup of Russell Westbrook, Andre Roberson, once he's back from injury, Paul George, Jeremy Grant, Stephen Adams. They've also got Alex Abrinas, Patrick Patterson, Terrence Ferguson. They added Schroeder and Nerlens Noel. They lost Carmelo Anthony, which is a big positive. Underperformed last year, if you look at their talent. Carmelo Anthony was such a huge negative for this team that I can't help but think that they'd be better just from that already. But I like Schroeder. I like Noel. I think Nerlens Noel is finally in a position where He's seen that he's had to fight for his NBA life, and maybe he can be a big-time defender. This team's going to be really tough defensively, especially once Roberson's back. They were one of the best groups in the NBA, minus Carmelo, when Roberson was there. Paul George is dynamic. Steven Adams is a champ in the paint. Even Grant. I like this team. I don't think that they're going to be one of the major Western Conference powerhouses. I don't think we're going to look at this team as you know, right next to the Rockets or anything like that. But I think they can definitely have a successful season. Lots of positive energy after Paul George came back. I agree. I think they got a, quite a bit better this offseason. Adding Schroeder and subtracting Carmelo, that's a great swap for them. I've liked Steven Adams for a long time. I think he's one of the more overlooked big men in the league. Paul George, you know, maybe had initial struggles fitting in with their style of play but it seemed to be clicking more later in the season so I look for him to have a big season yeah this is a good team I actually think that in the past I didn't really view them as a team that could make any kind of run in the playoffs I still don't think that they're going to beat the the top teams in their conference but I could see them getting out of the first round for sure now all right so the over under for this team is 50 and a half I am going to take Oh, that's so brutal. Uh, I mean, I think that they're going to win 50 games. I think this is a 50-win game, but I think they'll be better than last year. I have to go with it. It's tough, but I'm going to take the over. I say they win 51 or 52 games. Really talented team can really dominate defensively, I think. The one danger is if Russell Westbrook's athleticism declines even a little bit or starts to decline, then with his playing style, I think we're in real trouble. But I don't see that happening next year at the very least. So I'm going to take slight over, Ben, over or under. I'm going to take the over, too. This year, they're better, and they're not going to struggle, struggle early. So I think they can pull, like, three more ones out. All right, Alex. I'm going to take under. I don't think a Russell Westbrook team during the regular season can break 50 wins. I'm putting them at 49. 50 and a half's right on the mark for me. That's a really tough one. Number three team, I was high on them all last year. I was writing a bunch of articles. I was telling everyone, watch out for the Utah Jazz. Incredible run down the stretch. Impressive playoff performance against the Thunder. I have them as the three-team starting lineup. Ricky Rubio, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert. They also have Jake Crowder, Dante Exum, Cephalosha, Royce O'Neal, and Alec Burks. They added Grayson Allen in the draft, which I actually really like. I think he fits this Jazz team. As much as I didn't like him in college, I think his attitude and his intensity fits well with this Jazz team and they lost Jonas Jerebko. So, incredible defensive team. We know that. Mitchell's a future superstar in this league. He's already one of the premier talents. Incredible rookie year. Rudy Gobert's a monster in the paint, defending, as long as he can stay healthy. But, again, this was one of the best teams in the league in the last, you know, third, last half of the season, if you count the playoffs. So, I have a lot of confidence in them. Am I a little too high to rank them as the third team? Alex, what do you think? Uh, that's tough. It depends if you're talking about in the playoffs or during the regular season. If you're talking about during the regular season, I think it's reasonable. Mitchell's awesome. Gobert's awesome. In terms of one-two punches in the league, I 
think that they're, you know, right on the same level as Westbrook um, and Paul George. The difference to me between the two teams is style of play. I think they both have the star power now. And, and the Jazz, I think, are just share the ball more, move the ball better, don't have Russell Westbrook, all that kind of stuff. So, no, I, I'm good with you putting him at three, actually. And Grayson Allen, I just mentioned it, but really intriguing piece to me. He's a guy who can really – I think he can score. He can create his own offense, which is something I think this Jazz team could have used a little more of. And he can get his shot, but he's feisty. This is a team I think that could get into a lot of fights next year. <laughs> I mean, Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen, Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert, they're all just kind of guys who are in your space a lot. But I like that there's a sort of – this team's very dynamic, and I really like that. I think – I feel like they're built for the playoffs in some ways. And once the Warriors' run ends whenever it ends, this is one of those franchises that I think can really step up into the void. Really fantastic pieces, really nicely put together team. I like them a lot. Their over-under is 48 and a half, fifth in the conference. I think that's way too low. I look at this, and I honestly think they're a 52-53-ish win team. So I'm way over on that. Um, I'm also going to take the over on that. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah, I think clear over, Alex. I'm going to go over not quite as enthusiastically as you, George. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll take over. The number two team, the Houston Rockets. They were neck and neck with the Warriors in the playoffs. Chris Paul gets hurt. It all just kind of goes downhill from there. Rough game seven performance, but they're back. They lost Trevor Reza, made a couple of interesting additions. Starting lineup, Chris Paul, James Harden, that's obvious. Carmelo Anthony, we'll see. Then uh, P.J. Tucker, I like at the other forward, just a guy who competes strong, can really defend well, and Clint Capella. They've also got Eric Gordon, who stepped up in Chris Paul's absence, can really score off the bench. Gerald Green and Nene added. Carmelo Anthony, as I mentioned, and Michael Carter-Williams, who doesn't exactly move the needle. They lost Ariza and Luke Bamute. So the Rockets won 65 games last year. Just as a spoiler, Vegas has them winning 54 and a half this year. That's a big fall off. That's an 11-game fall off. And I honestly think it's pretty reasonable. I think the Rockets had a magical year last year where everything went right. And they're going to look back at the Paul injury and say, that was our chance to take down the Warriors. Iguodala was out, so they had a little more space to roam. And they were so, so close up three games to two, had leads. Uh, It just didn't happen for them. And now I think you're on the other end of the hill. Chris Paul, big contract, older now, really injury prone at this point, especially when you're talking about him playing big minutes. I think the Rockets, I'm not going to take the under, but I'm going to say they're a 55-56 win team. And I don't think that they can compete with the Warriors anymore. I think the Warriors are far, far above them at this point. I think it comes down to what happens with Carmelo Anthony. Can he be a Carmelo Anthony that's a star in this league? No, I don't think so. But can he even contribute at this point? So Alex, Rockets in general, Melo, how do they compete with the Warriors? What's your take? So I think that they're not the team to take the Warriors down, to be honest. I could even see a team like... OKC or the Jazz giving them a harder time in a playoff series, potentially, and not necessarily, but potentially. Ariza's a loss. Look, they're still a deep team. They still have Eric Gordon coming off the bench. I think they're starting five. You look at it and you go, those are five uh, strong players, or in the case of Harden and Chris Paul, and some would say Clint Capella, elite players. I'm going to take them over on the 54 and a half. This is still a team that's built to win games and I think that they play efficiently I really don't like Harden but I gotta give it to him he's a a pretty darn good scorer thing with Melo is if he accepts his role I still think that there could be something in there there is some shot making ability there you would hope so even though he missed a bunch of open shots last year when it mattered most but looking aside from that I think there is some mid-range game there that they can still use some three-point shooting but he has to accept a reduced role, and he was never able to with OKC. And he seems pretty stuck in his ways. And you're talking about a guy who's one of the worst defenders in the NBA. And if you're running out a playoff team, giving big minutes to a guy who's the worst defender in the NBA, you don't really have a chance. I, I just don't see it happening for him. If any team can change him, it's the Rockets. Chris Paul is his friend, and the Rockets are so, so good that maybe he'll be swayed. 
but I don't see it happening. And surprise, surprise, the number one team in the Western Conference, the number one team in the NBA, and I'll just congratulate them on the 2019 NBA championship now, is the Golden State Warriors. And we'll eventually see a starting lineup of Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and DeMarcus Cousins, bench Andre Iguodala, though there is still a lot of death lineup stuff sliding in there. Sean Livingston, Quinn Cook, Jordan Bell, Looney. They added DeMarcus Cousins. We all know about that. Jarebko, they got Jacob Evans in the draft. They lost JaVale McGee and Zaza Pachulia. So yes, the Warriors are the champions again, but the real question I think on everyone's mind with this team is DeMarcus Cousins and how he'll come back from that torn Achilles, whether he'll help this team, whether he'll be a negative locker room influence and won't come back the same player and breaks things up a little bit, breaks the good energy flow that they have and sort of uh, is a side note on this year. But I think he can really contribute. He's hungry. This is the perfect situation for him in that he has that feeling that nobody wanted him enough, no one would give him enough money, has to prove to the league that he's still a star, come back from that injury, contribute on a championship team, show that he's not as much of a negative influence as everyone thinks he is. So if you're going to get an energized and motivated DeMarcus Cousins, this is the one situation where that will happen. And the Warriors are all of a sudden a very, very, even more complete and dangerous team if you have DeMarcus Cousins down low working in the paint. I mean, they were so good with Zaza Pachulia and JaVale McGee. Now you had DeMarcus Cousins. But Alex, what do you think about the Cousins situation? What do you think from him moving forward? Yeah, I mean, the Warriors' only problem, if you can even call it that, was probably rebounding. And so now Cousins is one of the best in the league at that. I don't think it makes a huge difference for the regular season. Obviously, he's going to miss a lot of the season. And then once he does start playing, it's going to be figuring out how to introduce him, figuring out how to use him. So I think he's more of someone who's going to help him crush in the playoffs and someone who's going to you know, really get them a lot of extra wins during the regular season. Look, I think that Cousins is going to come back from this injury. I think he is going to be um, one of the best centers in the league still. And I think he is going to prove himself. Everyone expects the Warriors to win the championship next year. There are other really good teams in the league, clearly. But the Boston Celtics, the Rockets are teams that maybe potentially could give the Warriors a little bit of trouble. Some people are throwing out OKC Thunder or Jazz or even the Lakers with LeBron. But what would you put, Ben, as the percent chance that the Warriors don't win the finals? I would say <laughs> you're looking for a Steph Curry injury or a Kevin Durant injury. And even then, I think this team is still really, really good and just as good as any team in the league. So I'm going to put it as like a 20 to 25% chance that they don't win. That sounds even generous to me, even as a Celtics fan. It's just tough. I mean, because even if DeMarcus Cousins comes back and he's trash, it doesn't matter, you know? The Warriors will win the finals again. I don't think that there's any doubt about that for pretty much anyone. So the over-under is 62.5. I'm going to take the over. Warriors did not have a good regular season last year. They lost a bunch of winnable games with Curry out. But everything seemed a lot stale last year, where same group of guys kind of got on each other's nerves a little bit. Wasn't really anything exciting. But now that DeMarcus is on the team, they can look at that and say, we have a new challenge. We have to help DeMarcus. We can do it for him. So... I see them energy back in the regular season. See them as a 65-66 win team. What do you think, Alex? I'm actually going to take the under just for the reason that um, uh, Kerr knows that he doesn't need to win regular season games, that they're going to be one of the top couple teams in the Western Conference during the regular season. They're going to have a fine seed. He doesn't need to give Curry, Clay, Kevin, he doesn't need to give any of those guys 35, 36 minutes a game. He's going to let those other guys get some work in. He's going to rest any of his players. Um, there's always a possibility of an injury. Iguodala and Livingston are both a year older. Jordan Bell's good. Quinn Cook is an okay backup. I just don't think that they're trying to win that many regular season games. After their 73-9 and nine season, I think Kerr said we're going to win enough regular season games and be uh, at our top form in the playoffs. I think it's going to take a little bit to introduce to Marcus, and obviously he's going to be missing a lot of games at the beginning of the season. I think they'll still win over 60, but there's a lot of other good teams in the West, and I don't think they're going to be pushing too hard. So I'll take a small, a slight under. So congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. I have Warriors in five against whoever. It doesn't matter, to be honest. 
and that will do it for us. We'll be talking some Major League Baseball and some NFL Week 1 next week. Arthur will be back. We'll be talking about all the playoff races that are going on. Really exciting stuff. Really close. Goodbye.